No updates on Dame Lillard, even as the rest of the NBA world continues to question Miami's pursuit of the Portland Star. But how do actual Blazers fans feel about a potential trade? And Boston's Jalen Brown signed the richest contract in NBA history, over $300 million. That'll buy you a lot of turnovers. But what does it mean for the future of the Heat? We step back into the time machine and change NBA history and any one of Miami's tough final losses on today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked on Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg here as always with David Mill. However, you're tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked on Heat your first listen. Every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. Uh, I want to get to Jalen Brown's contract extension and what that means for the East and even the Miami Heat's plans going forward in a little bit. But first, David, we're coming back from a small break. I was at a wedding uh, in Northern California. Uh, it was nice to step away from social media. And the Damian Lillard trade talks that are not really trade talks right now and just sort of the toxic online conversation around that. And uh, it was a beautiful wedding on a vineyard. And I it, it was it was a very nice occasion. And I had a lot of interesting interactions because the groom's family is all from Portland. Uh, and I knew going in, I was like, hey, it's just a matter of time before they ask me about the Damian Lillard stuff because – uh, I'm close to his parents. They know what I do. Obviously, I know that they're from Portland and all these things. And I'm telling you, before I even got the, hey, how's married life and how's living in Florida and how's work? And it was like, the How about that Dave talk, huh? Came straight up to me. Actually went past like four or five different people the night before we had like a little get together. Goes like right. he just like shoves other people out of the way and just goes, oh, boy. we got to talk about Dame. And let me just for a little bit more context here. He's had season tickets since the Rose Garden opened. This Ouch. guy is diehard. This guy is diehard. Loves the Trailblazers. Loves Damian Lillard. Loves Damian Lillard. Uh, one of his favorite Portland Trailblazers of all time. And so uh, he asks me in a very nice way, hey, like, when is this going to happen? And so I shared with him what I've shared with everybody on this show about what, what it is that we know and don't know about Damian Lillard and where things currently stand. And um, he kind of asked, like, you know, why isn't why aren't the Heat offering like that much? I keep hearing that they have a better package or something like that. And I was kind of explaining that whole part to him and how the Heat don't want to negotiate against themselves. And um, you know, this is a guy who in business in his life does a fair a, amount of negotiating. And I think he kind of and he just sort of like nodded and understood. He's like, Yeah, you know what? That makes sense. And that was wild. And then the other conversations I was having with a lot of other people was... He's not on Twitter, is he? That's right. Not, I was like, hey, man, that's it. not how you're supposed to respond to that. You're supposed to yell yeah. at me now? It's like, oh, Tyler Hero's garbage. You know, it's like, walk away and then throw a drink in your face. That's, he's that's like, what do you think? He's gone. like, he's like, I don't really watch a lot of Tyler Hero. Is he good? I was like, yeah, he's pretty good. He's like, okay. And he's like, but we don't really need him. I was like, yeah, you guys don't really need him. You guys want just to get another third team. He's like, okay. And they haven't found one. I was like, no, not yet. And he's like, all right. Are they working on cool. that? And I was like, sort of. And he's like, okay. They should probably talk a little bit more. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, okay. And that was pretty much the conversation. Uh, people did ask me a little bit more about, like, why Miami? Why is it just – and things like that. But then uh, I'll fast forward to this part. 
Uh, the groom, his honeymoon with his wife was going to be in the Bahamas. So they had a layover from Northern California. They had a one night in Miami. So they flew fly into Miami International. They had a hotel in Miami Beach, dinner in Miami Beach Monday night. Uh, and then they flew to the Bahamas um, uh, either the red eye or, or Tuesday morning. Right. And then uh, he texts me probably an hour after his dinner was done. And he goes, I get it. I know why Dame wants to come here. He's like, the vibes are amazing. He's like, I'm sitting at dinner and I see like two or three NBA players just walking through the restaurant and like everything's great. We had like Cirque du Soleil style dancers at our table coming up to us to entertain us. And, you know, and then, yeah, you're a stone's throw away from a, a vacation in the Bahamas. He's like, this is amazing. And maybe some of it is just like the post wedding honeymoon high there. But yeah, uh, he had a great time. He's like, yeah, I get it. And people now are just like, when I kind of talk to him about Miami and the reasons why somebody might want to live here, like Damian Lillard, who born and raised in Oakland, played in right. Portland for the last of them, nothing against Portland, but it would make sense why somebody in his mid thirties might want that kind of experience after basically spending his entire life in the Pacific Northwest being like, you know what? I'm in my mid thirties. I'm super successful. I have more money than I can count. I'm going to, I yeah. he's, I've never ex even ex uh, experienced the East coast life, let alone the Miami lifestyle. It's a very attractive lifestyle to somebody in that kind of position. And so all of these things sort of involved. And I was just like, I, and then I'm, and David, I step away and, and I'll end it here. I know I'm going long, but like, no, no, no. I was, cool. I was, I was off social media for four days and it was, uh, it was beautiful. And I highly recommend it to people. And here's why because I went back onto Twitter or whatever it's called nowadays. I went back onto Twitter and I was very surprised because I had a new, a new logo. Number one, I was like, what is that? And then number two, the, the entire conversation around David, I log on, the thing opens up, and I just it's like, Damien Lillard this, Damien Lillard that, Stephen A is trying to get him to the Knicks and all this stuff. And like, why is Damien Lillard doing this? And I was like, nope, it's exactly where it was a week ago, the last time I logged on. And I just closed out Twitter again. And I was like, you know what? There's no reason to be on this thing. And if people can have more conversations in real life, not like, look, Twitter is going to be Twitter. It's just, it's a, it is just what it is. You're not going to change it as much as Elon Musk might want to try to change it. Like, it's not. That conversation is the online conversation, but I implore people even listening to this who are mostly having those conversations online. I know it's hard to fly to Portland and meet Trailblazers fans, but like just have conversations in real life generally about stuff happening online. What's, what's and you'll, it's so grass, different. Right? Yeah. T touch virtual grass in this sense. Like, like think, yeah. actually like think about the, the stepping outside of the, the bubble nature of, of social media and the, uh, the conversations that are, so limited just by virtue of the format like there's not much Correct. you can say and everything comes across as like this ridiculous and or hot take that you can spot the spout off in like a number and of everybody's seconds. trying to one-up each other all the time right right for clicks and likes and then you yeah get some who's matter i'm more mad i'm more mad that damien lillard oh uh, yeah just well, screw you for <laughs> exactly yeah. it's, it's so silly um you know, I, I just uh, I'm glad that you got that kind of balanced, more nuanced perspective. But I am a little surprised, though, at the, the groom's perspective on Miami. Not 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 to say that, of course, that makes total sense that you come to South Florida and everything else like that. But I have been like fighting with with the Twitter voices and other people, even as we continue to do shows or have other conversations with media members about why Miami is such a hot spot and everything else like that. It's not. It really isn't like, you know, people keep saying. I, I did a, a, a guest spot on Lockdown NBA just yesterday, right? And, and you know, my conversation with uh, at that time was, you know, why the Damon Lillard or another – Yeah, no, it was the, uh, with Tony East. Oh, the Monday show. Chaser. Okay, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, the Monday show. So, you know, we're talking about the Damon Lillard situation, and then somebody comes into the comments. It's like, yeah, makes sense that somebody who represents Miami, a Miami fan, first of all, would, would uh, you, know, you know, would not question why – 
players want to come to a Miami, a big market like Miami, and ignore small markets, you know, because it's all this yeah. ridiculous conversation about Austin Rivers and everything else like that. And first of all, Miami's not a big market. It's a fun city and everything else like Size-wise, that. Size-wise, yeah. Yeah, but it's not yeah. – It's I don't think players necessarily are dying to come to Miami. Like, hmm. we just saw Bradley Beal and Kevin Durant, number one on their wish list, was the Phoenix Suns who couldn't even get Austin Rivers to agree I, to a I, trade there four years ago. I would like say Austin River balked on that deal. And now all of a sudden, like everybody's like, oh, Miami, they always get every player. It's like, no, they don't. They get the players that they did. And they have. Yeah. They've been very lucky. I, I would Jimmy say Butler that they're... Came here. Generally, like even just like the list of destinations, even if Miami isn't getting anybody, I think people have that impression because every time a player wants to get traded, Miami is on the list of preferred destinations, even if they very rarely get those yeah, players. Sure. So I think that, that that's why that perception is out there. But also I would say too, like it's not like the Heat have trouble getting free agents the way that maybe even Portland does. Like they don't have don't like that, that level of difficulty. Like I, they, I they don't, don't get everybody. That. They don't get everybody, and they have some. Outset, they, and they, they're so limited in cap space all the time that that's part of it. But like, yeah, yeah. they do. They but players, and I'll I'll but, zoom out, yeah. David. I know you don't pay much as much attention to the NFL anymore. But like, the Dolphins win like every off season because they always get free agents. You know, like their roster construction doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and their strategy doesn't make. And their coaching was always bad. Before Mike McDaniel, Maybe. top five uh, South Florida sports star. But it was like generally speaking, you're able to get people to come here easier than you're able to get them to Minneapolis or Milwaukee or Portland. Like the heat can, tr- I'm, they got LeBron dude. Like they, they got LeBron cause it's Dwayne. Like that's such a one-on-one situation. I mean, everything like is so, yeah. I mean, even the Knicks couldn't get free agents forever cause they stunk. Like you have to be like, kind of right. okay. Like the Lakers went they, for a period. No, that's yes. definitely a part of it for sure. Yeah. But there I just is say no general, major like, market lure over these teams. Like the, the Chicago is a great city amongst NBA fan, players. Like they love the town of yeah. Chicago and they can't get anybody to sign there. As a if they were good, they can get them though. And that's what I'm saying. You yes. have to be like good enough, that's, but like if you're Milwaukee right. or if you're Minneapolis, I'm not to keep, Indiana, like all these teams that are like, even if they're good, they still can't get the free agents. That's the thing with Portland, when were the man. last time they were good though? When was the last right, let's just time they say Portland? Good? Let's just do Portland, for instance, like three years ago. When was the last right? time they were good? Three years ago, and all throughout Damon, like, what was the biggest free agent? Damon Lillard's been there for eleven years. They were in the playoffs every year until the last two years. Go back behind those, away, right? Well, they, they couldn't lost get Batum. I mean, you could like, look. Their front office decisions under Olshay were terrible, but just in terms of the free agents that they were trying to add to a guy who was squarely in his prime and Damian Lillard, a guy that most players would want to play with regardless of market, they couldn't get anybody. They never could get anybody. Um, Miami doesn't have that problem when they're good. So, but can I one more thing on this too? Portland's a good city, though. I, I don't. Know Portland's awesome. I I'm not dismissing Portland, but I like just players don't want to go there. It's just that's sure, the facts that are in front of us, but. Um, I got one more take on this, and then I want to get into Jalen Brown's extension. Uh, a monster right. one has the NBA world talking. It could even impact the Miami Heat. We're going to talk about that next here. But first, a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks Daily Fantasy Made Easy, and that's exactly what it is. You just pick two to six players, and if they score more or less versus their Prize Picks projections. You can win up to 25 times your money on any one entry. It's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections. That's simple. How many rebounds the players will get? How many points they'll get on a given night? How many three-pointers made? So many different options to place a wager on. And you can do it on any 
of any number of sports because Price Picks offers projections on anything you can imagine from the NBA to the NFL, Major League Baseball, men's and women's college sports, Euro sports, disc golf, boxing, you name it, they've got you covered. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals. Who doesn't love that? And they're currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users even get a 100% instant deposit match of up to $100, but only if you use the promo code Locked On. So if you deposit $100, Prize Picks will match that, give you $100. So make sure to enter the promo code Locked On. When you sign up for an instant deposit match by downloading the Prize Picks app or going to prizepicks.com today. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Are the Heat contenders, regardless of a Damian Lillard trade? We're going to answer that on tomorrow's episode. Make sure that you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Before we get to the Jalen Brown extension, David, uh, just one last thing that I found interesting. I realized that my entire experience is extremely anecdotal. Okay, I get that. It's basically one family of Portland Trailblazers. You weren't doing any reporting at the wedding? Come on. I could I cannot tell you how many people wanted to talk to me about the Trailblazers thing, about Damian Lillard. It was Did you write wild. a column on it? I did not. And I and I thought I did think about it, but I thought I'd just talk about it on the show. Um but uh everybody just super supportive of Dame, of Dame. Regardless of the okay, do I understand why it's just Miami, whatever, just in terms of Damian Lillard leaving and going to a contender like the Heat, they everybody can't. that I talked to was super supportive. And the part I found interesting. Sad, for sure. Definitely sad. It's their favorite player forever for the last decade. But kind of also excited about the next thing, about, like, really excited about Scoot and and Sharp, and they should be. Those guys are going to be awesome. Um, So that was just the other thing. It was sort of like, it wasn't this sort of black and white online version of, like, this conversation. Like, they should just keep Dame, screw him. He's got four years left. He has no right to It wasn't that. It was like, we obviously hope that we get a good return back. We hope that everything works out. But just generally speaking, we're so excited for Scoot Henderson and Shannon Sharp and what this is and what we could potentially get back for Dame and what that means, even though we're going to miss him a whole lot. And that's sort of that nuanced kind of yeah. real-life feeling from a real Portland Trailblazers fan and not yeah, an egg be. on Twitter that right. that people have, right? So I just thought that I, was I'm so really glad you brought that up because it feels like – and again, I, I wouldn't have known this because I didn't talk to any Portland fans, but – like it just seems from the ones that have responded via social media, they're fully on board with a well. We don't have to trade Dame. We don't have to. We're, we can screw over the best player in franchise history and just keep him on there despite his wishes. If Miami doesn't up their offer, and that just seems like a really bizarre mindset. So yeah. it's good to see. Like I, I can get the one perspective of a more level-headed fan saying, "Yeah, we want the best return possible for a great player," but at the same time, we're also kind of ready to move on because we know. The team's not going to win, and we know what Dame wants, and we're all aboard on, on getting Dame the possibility of winning a championship. That's it, right? I mean, it's just that simple. That's it. That's it. Um, Touch grass, everyone. Moving on, Jalen Brown signed a five-year, $304 million Supermax contract extension. Part of every headline lead graph that you're going to read on this is going to include the note that it's the biggest contract in NBA history. Uh, that's true. This contract is going to pay Jalen Brown – almost $70 million a year before it's over. Uh, But the more interesting thing about this is, to me at least, that it's not the biggest contract ever. I mean, Nikola Jokic was the biggest contract ever yesterday. You know what I mean? And now it's just, it it 
somebody else. It, this one will be the biggest contract ever until somebody else signs an extension. And then that's going to, that's just the way as the cap ex- extends and the super maxes are a thing. Like Jalen Brown's going to have the biggest contract in NBA history for a few months. And then somebody else is going to. Okay. So that's just how it works. But um, to me, what's interesting is not that it's this. And, and like the big, like the first take headline is going to be like, is Jalen Brown worth the highest? Is, is he, should he be the highest paid player in NBA history? And it's like, okay, that's it kind of, that removes all context out of it. But if he's worth this amount of money to me, even in a rising cap is interesting. And I think what Boston fans would tell you is, hey, this looks really big now, but just wait until the cap goes up. If, and I'm not saying that that's wrong. I think that's like partly that's that's right. And I think that's just sort of part of the business kind of calculus around what the, it is yes. Celtics and Jalen Brown agreed to here. But yeah. I also think it's a lot of money for Jalen Brown, regardless of the rising cap. Like this is a lot of money for a guy who is maybe even a little bit underrated based on how bad, bad his conference finals were, but is also, it, it's kind of clear that he has a ceiling also, and it's something below like sort of that 1A kind of player. And if you look at like, again, a guy like Nikola Jokic, who was previously the highest paid player in the NBA for the last two years, like you could argue that his contract didn't pay him enough for his value on the Denver Nuggets, right? Where I think with Jalen Brown, you're just hoping that he gets anywhere close to returning the value on investment here, right? Yeah. Uh, I, Good player, more, but like a lot of money. One more addition to that. Like, the, I'm glad you mentioned that point about how, like, the, everybody, like, uh, you know, shakes their head at the size of these contracts. I, I'm old enough to remember when Larry Johnson signed his record setting deal for $84 million. You know, the, I just had to check it just to make sure I was right. You know how long that contract was for? Wasn't it like 12? 12 years. I was going to say it was like 10 years. 12 years. Wow. Seven million a year. He he signed basically the mid-level exception. He got Caleb Martin money. He got Caleb Martin Martin for a decade. And everyone was like, wow, that is crazy. And of course, he wound up not even living up to the value of that contract because he had a numbers back injuries. I'm sure he fans don't care about Larry Johnson because he was such a killer for the Knicks. But it's just, I remember when that deal was like, oh my God, he's getting too much money for everything. Uh, So yeah, the, the amount of, the amount of money doesn't bother me. Like it, it just, it's gonna even out. Uh, and again, I'm all for. So the money what doesn't bother you? It I does, think it's no, a lot of money. It's a lot of. I do. I, I just. I, what else? Do I, they I think ha- it's I guess- a lot of money. I don't think. I, I. I. I don't. I think it's too much money for Jalen Brown. I don't right. mind the amount of money. Period. And that's the whole thing. Is like oh, somebody's gonna get it. Yeah, whether it's it's Tatum or Jimmy or somebody else, another star level player for Jalen. I mean, I think the Celtics are kind of tied to it. They, they had yeah. no choice but to pay him that money or yeah. else risk losing him. And then with return, as we're seeing with you know trades to Dane Willard and James Harden and everything else, like what would they get back in return that would be either of equal value that you could plug and play and continue leading right. towards the goal of a championship or – you know, or, or is it just a, a force you into resetting or rebuilding or something like that around Tatum and, and Chris Epps-Porzingis and whatever else you have left on the roster? So I, they were kind of – they stuck. Like they had to make that decision. Um, yeah, well, I don't know. I, I don't want to move off that. That's a really good point. I want to stay there for a second because Jalen Brown, like kind of t- t- like like Tyler Hero, always yeah. involved in trade rumors. Even just now, like would, they, would the Celtics yeah. ever like hypothetically move him for Damian Lillard? And obviously they were never going to do that. And that was reported a month ago. But – um, now, th- now that he's signed this extension, I-, I don't see another team trading for him. And he's a good player. The kind of player that most teams would want a two way wing, young, tons of potential, great physical, you know, uh, um, traits and all these things. But this is so much money 
that if you're a team taking it on, number one, it's just hard to match that kind of salary, especially with the CBA kind of changes, not to get into all that, but just it is a little bit more difficult now than it was in the previous CBA. And, like, do you really want to pay a player like that that much money who's not going to be the best player on a championship team? He could be the number two player on a championship team. We already saw that. If you've gotten to the finals, you've proven you can win. Like, if you're you're there, you could win it. Just because you didn't doesn't mean you can't. Um, And they obviously lost to the Warriors two years ago. And they were very close last year, game seven against the Heat, right? Like, this is a team. Like, Jalen Brown is good enough to be that number two guy, but it's just now the way that this impacts Miami is this is your rival now. It's Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. You're locked in, yeah. And every move that the Heat make, you do have to think about that. It doesn't have to be at the top of the list. It doesn't even have to be like number five on your list of things that you're thinking about. But it has to be somewhere in the back of your mind where it's like, all right, it's Milwaukee as long as they've got Giannis. How do we stop? How do we make sure we have a roster capable of beating Giannis every year, right? I'm not saying that the Heat haven't proven to done that. I'm just saying every year as you make adjustments to your roster, it's something you have to think about. You have to think about Joel Embiid. You have to think about, obviously, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown now. And the Celtics and the Heat are obviously huge rivals based on the last two conference finals. This is your rival, kind of locking into at least a fighter future here, right? So um, I, I do think with Fear the Heat, you have to think about that. It makes Jimmy Butler obviously that much more important. Not that he was not that much important before, but like it's just, again, something. Here's a bigger question about. then. With, with Boston having locked in Brown, does that make in the uh, exclusion of Caleb Martin and a potential trade for Damian Lillard that much more essential. Like we already know that's a sticking point. We've talked about that. That that's a front office and the coaching staff's perspective. They want to keep Caleb. Do they have to keep Caleb now mm. because he is that much more important to helping guard Jalen Brown in a yeah. potential matchup there? And I, we'll I think talk the about that. Yes. Yeah, I think it is that. I think we could talk about that a little bit more <laughs> next. Uh, but first a word from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting on Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in both bets, bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you land $200 in bonus bets, whether you win or lose. That's $200 that you can spend betting on everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first run in any given game, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. Who doesn't love that? There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, and you get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Are the Heat contenders regardless of a Damian Lillard trade? We're going to talk about that on tomorrow's episode, so make sure that you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Uh, to wrap up this conversation on Jalen Brown, it's a good question, David. Like, Does this make somebody like Caleb Martin that much more? I think I've reported this before. The Heat want to keep Caleb Martin out of a Damian Lillard trade because they view him as important to a championship team. Um, I also think one of the reasons you draft a guy like Jaime Jaquez Jr. is because he's a big wing who can guard different positions. I just think in general, you just need more of those guys. Um, I don't know that it's a Caleb Martin. Pat Riley thing. said, yeah, what? Pat Riley said, what was it? Pat oh, Riley yeah. Said? yeah, he literally said that. He's like, as much, as much wing length and versatility as we could possibly get, you know? And so uh, yeah. you want you want to keep adding guys like that. But in terms of the short term, 
I do think a guy like Caleb Martin, who's NBA ready right now, who you saw in the conference finals, guard these two guys and you know can do it, right? Yeah. Uh, he, he does, it does make it that much more important in the short term. But to me, like this Jalen Brown thing, long term, you just, you want to make sure you always have a guy as Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum continue to age basically into and out of their primes um, on these contracts. So, uh, I, I, interesting I, I, I thing. Say, yeah. I, I got to say, I also love the addition of, Josh Richardson, a former teammate of Tatum and Brown's, you know, his right. addition. I, I, from everything we remember about Josh, what everything we saw or, or over the last couple of years, like the defensive prowess is still there. And just as another long wing player, like he doesn't have the same strength and physicality necessarily to shut those guys down. But he's so he's so smart with the ball. And, and I think he can do a lot. And, and, and since, you know, essentially like poking the ball free, leading to turnovers and things like that between him and Jimmy and Caleb, like that's pretty strong wing defending core. It is. Yeah, it's stronger than it was last year, right? And to have a guy like Hawkeyes also potentially available who can, you know, maybe give you some minutes in the regular season. Um, all right. This is a game we call Championship Ugh. Time Machine. Championship Time Machine. Um, what's the best way to explain this? So the Heat have been to many finals. They've won many finals. They've also lost four finals. They've lost in three and four. And seven, yeah, three and four. Yep. Uh 2011, 2014, 2020, and 2023 are the mm. championship, the, the NBA finals that the Heat have lost. So I thought it'd be interesting to just like go back and ask if you could get in a time machine and you could change history and the Heat can just miraculously win one of those championships, which one would you go back and change, David? So let's just start right there. Uh, right away, I can tell you it's Nasser uh, <laughs> Davis. Um, I, for me, it would be 2020. Uh, I think the importance of that it was uh, so significant, and the bubble. Uh, yeah, the bubble era. Like the the fact that you know that season had ended so prematurely in March. Uh, of course, there was so much going on in the country between the social justice movement uh, and protesting and COVID and everything else. That there was so much going on with that, and that the look. I, I've got this. I don't know. If you probably can't even see it. I, I've got a little framed picture. Of Jimmy Butler here, I just dropped it, of course, so I can't get it. But a picture People of Jimmy Butler it. from the Orlando, but yeah, it, it's to me like not only did I feel incredible joy at being able to cover the Orlando bubble and talk to these players via Zoom uh, and everything else that it entailed, but it was just such a a snapshot historical moment that I don't think I don't think NBA fans will be kind in its memory of the Orlando bubble. Like we've all heard the Lemicky talk, we've all heard everything else like that, but. The bubble was such an incredible experience to cover, to witness, uh, and for the players to be a part of. Uh, it, it seems like almost like another decade ago, another century ago, almost. It seems it, like a different life. Yeah, yeah it really world. does. Yeah, uh, and, and just that run to be able to beat the Bucks, to be able to beat the Celtics, to be able to beat TJ Warren, the Michael Jordan of the Orlando bubble, and the Indiana Pacers. Like there were so many great matchups there, and then. To me, in my opinion, I've said this many times before, they were the better team over the Los Angeles Lakers in the NBA Finals, and they would have beaten the Lakers if not for injuries to Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo. That cost them the very important depth that, the depth that they had, that they needed in order to beat two strong superstar-level players in Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And just for me to go back and to change that, 
would be to to shut up all the naysayers, to shut down the Lakers' exceptionalism, mm. to show them that 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 they, that team was such good vibes, man. Like just again talking to them, the addition of Andre Guadala and Crowder and and, and Olinick and Duncan Robinson and everybody, just, they were just so happy to embrace that moment and to coalesce as a group and just to focus on winning. They were so together in a way that I've never seen. Like that locker room before the Orlando bubble was on fire. And and even afterwards, they carried that camaraderie into the Orlando bubble, that sense of togetherness and sense of purpose. I had never seen anything like that. Just to imagine that the fact that that, that Eric Spolstra, after the, the turmoil of the Orlando, I know I'm going a little long here too, but that, that, that after the turmoil, the bubble, the stress, being away from families and everything else, he broke down and cried. This is Eric Spolstra. At the like press conference. The, at the press conference. Yeah. He's, he's been on the losing end before. We were there. You Just know, this last but, finals, they lost. He didn't cry afterwards. No. 2011, disappointing. We got here. 2014, great team. We had a great run. Whatever. Yeah. We, to your point, it was years. just the it was the struggle of the bubble being like just I can't imagine the immense emotional physical toll yeah. that that took. Yeah. Of course you would break down. Of course you would break down and cry afterwards. Um, I like I, my question to you is like I'm not gonna say I think it's a great pick. My question to you is them winning. How would that have changed that? How would it have changed the experience for you? Because you're talking about how much joy you already got from that season and covering that team. Would it have yeah. changed it for you at all if they had actually won the championship? It, it was uh, even even as a somewhat detached media member, like the fact that they weren't able to prove that. Like I mean, again, Jimmy bent over the sanction. Like there was mm. so much invested in it from even from a reporting aspect and even from a fan aspect. You know, just wanting to see that team play. Like it would have been immensely rewarding on a personal level sure. to be able to cover a championship level team that that, that year you know again with yes. everything going on like it was it was a tough week even for me like i think I, I i was like you know they lost uh i had like a recap great season and then i i don't think i recorded an episode for a few days because i didn't really want to even talk about basketball for a few days after that so uh it, it was again because i was disappointed because they weren't at full strength. And I know that's just part of the finals experience is like you have to be good and lucky in order to win a ring. But for me, it would have been just incredibly personally rewarding yeah. to be able to, to hang on to that with the darkness around the rest of the world and everything else that we were living through at that particular time. Right. It would have been really, really uh, a special moment. Um, more special not, than it was. I'm not going to disagree with anything you said, obviously, because it's your pick. The only thing yeah. I will nitpick against is um the idea that had they won though that championship that the conversation about it being a fluke would have gone away i think oh no but, but it wouldn't have mattered because you got the jewelry though oh so you would okay fair point no it's like all right call it a fluke it's still my ring um yeah. it's uh <laughs> all right i'm gonna Mickey. go back you got a sport championship you know that's, you said doesn't matter. you said i think before we started recording david that you thought you already knew what i was gonna say to this between 2011 2014 the bubble in 2020, and then obviously last year in 2023. What do you think I'm going to say? I'm going to let you get a part chance of, to guess here. Part of me thinks that you would have loved to have been there this year just to say I covered a finals team uh, that won a championship team, to be there in the locker room with the champagne and everything else like that. But between you and me, I think we're going to get that chance. Anyway, um, I think it's it, 2011. I think that's the, the finals that uh, it, it, not, it broke you. Uh, but it, it hurt a lot to see them after the, the crap of that first year of the big three. Am I off? Nope, you got it. Um, it's 
the reason is a little different. Um, it's not that I mean, I was I remember that year. I mean, that was before that, I was in college. I wasn't covering anything like I was yeah. like diehard, diehard yeah. Heat fan that year. And it was the first uh, yeah. LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh year and just kind of like our own little Miami Heat fan bubble where just the turmoil of that season, everybody I had never really experienced that because even when like I grew up a huge Miami Hurricanes football fan, but I was like kind of too young to really realize like like the rest of the country hated us. You know, even though they did, I was just too young to really realize that. So I didn't, it yeah. didn't affect me. Um, so this is the first year I really had as a fan where I was like, oh, wait, we're the villains now? Because before that, oh, yeah. everybody loved Dwayne Wade. Everybody loved LeBron. You know, everybody's like, these are the two most exciting players in the sport. This is awesome. And then they joined forces and they're like, we hate these guys. Uh, yeah. And so I was like, that's Even crazy. Because it was my level. Of, right. And poor Chris Bosh. But it was, he was sort of like, whatever. Uh, my excitement went here and then it was sort of a realization that everybody hates us. And I was like kind of trying to figure that out. And it was weird rooting for a team in that context. And then to get to the finals anyway, and as hard as that playoff run was for the heat um, to lose it that way. And to be so confused as to why LeBron couldn't post up JJ Barea and to be so confused as to why they were losing in those finals. That was, that was a lot. And 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 understanding that the rest of the country was so happy when I was so sad was not fun. So, but but I wouldn't change. I wouldn't use my time machine to get rid of that feeling. I think those kinds of sports heartbreaks are really important. In fact, going back oh, to yeah. the wedding, the wedding, um, there was a six year old there, girl, six or seven year old girl who grew who's like, like just like in the last couple of years, like loving the Portland Trailblazers, getting into Damian Lillard and all these things, and she's heart. She doesn't understand why he's leaving. And I, and everybody, even the parents were like, it's good that she's having her first sports heartbreak now because you got to have that early so that you become a sports fan. It's the, it's the heartbreaks that you, that make you a fan. It's not the wins. It's the heartbreaks that make you a fan. I don't know, man. So anybody can just get them done early. Get it, get it done early, man. It's like, it's getting like, it's like getting your ear pierced. Just do it it early. It hurts less. Yeah, because you're an infant when they do it, and you don't remember that. But like the six to have that kind of like pain there and kind of define your sports fandom. Like, think about it. Like, I, I mean, you years that you saw, you weren't alive when Marina was in a Super Bowl, right? Like, no, that was uh, eighty four, eighty five. But uh, it was, was before. No, but like the Dolphins were just like a sort of like a uh, like death by a thousand cuts kind of heartbreak. It was like every year. It's like man, nine and seven again, really. But. Yeah. Uh, no, but I it is it is like learning with ten and six. Yeah. The, the sports heartbreak thing is part of being the fan. So that's my that's so that, that's going back to the time machine. I'm not necessarily removing that part of it. That's not why. The reason yeah. I want the to deliver the win in 2011 is so that Dwayne Wade got the Finals MVP. That's the only reason. That is literally Ooh. the only reason. Ooh, it's wow. the only reason I want. Um, everything else worked Paul out. Pierce? The Heat was, won was two Pierce out of four. Finals MVP. <laughs> I don't need Paul Pierce. <laughs> Um, but I would have loved, I would have, it's, if, if Dwayne Wade has a blip on the resume is that he never got the, uh, that finals MVP in 2011. He should have had it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I thought of that one too. Um, to me, uh, like that was, it was just like, even at that point in time, like as a fan, right. Not watching from a media perspective, I didn't start covering for a few more seasons after that, but, um, you know, that one stung a lot uh, because they, they had been through so much crap on a national scale. Like that, and that it was, was confusing. Completely... They were the wor- they were the better team, right? So I think that was part of it. And that's why yeah. if we're Brian gonna... Cardinal, I mean I mean the garbage man or whatever, right. the janitor, the custodian, well, like, whatever. Jason Kidd was their second best player. Like a washed up Jason Kidd. You know what I mean? Like it, it was crazy. 
Um, yeah, there's no way that Miami shouldn't have won that finals. Like, and that's why was... I didn't even consider 2014 or 2023. By 2014, that Heat team was broken, ran out of gas, and the Spurs deserved that championship. Same. 100%. And that's totally fine. I got that one. And everybody and by that. Course. It was like the opposite of 2011. We were just all exhausted by it. Like, even as that's, That was everybody. why I didn't go 2011 is because I knew what that, that spurred – no, bad word. That led to – Two years of the most amazing basketball that I've ever seen. Right. The, Especially. The following, next, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The next two seasons, the yeah. shortened season, and then uh, the, the, you know, 66 and 16 the following year, the 27 game win streak, et cetera. Like that was. There's that story of Spo in his office, red eyed. David Fisdale walks in and Spo's like, this is never going to happen again. And that really did change like the. The pace and space Miami Heat and the whole thing. Yeah. And he goes to Oregon and visits Thanks. Chip Kelly. And he's like, I'm going to learn how to do a read option in the NBA or whatever. And then, wow. uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Obviously, like I I don't – I want to go in the time machine. I want to get Dwayne Wade as MVP. I don't want – I don't want J.J. Barrett to have the championship. It. I do like – I do like that Dirk has a championship. I just hate that it was that one. I would have it rather have come in like in 2010 or something like different. Oh yeah, yeah. Go, um, beat, the, go beat the Magic. Who cares? Who yeah, cares exactly, exactly. Um, 2014, I care. And even in 2023, I really didn't even consider it. And people might come after the Denver Nuggets were the better basketball team, and it just hurts less when you lose to the better team. You could just be like, yeah, that team was just better. That guy is the best player in the NBA. He's the best in the world. There's like, and even you got that sense from being around and talking to the Heat afterwards and even during really where it was yeah, just like respect yeah, it was it, not even just like mutual respect just almost like an, an like just a yeah they're better than us like you kind of got that sense the more you spent more time and more conversations you had with the heat and people around the heat like uh and and you know, uh, there's the no way anybody that's... felt that way in 2011 and i think to the your only... point in 2020 as well they really believed that they could have won that one if they had not gotten hurt. yes yes yeah, that was that was such an uh, an emotional time. At, at two twenty three three, the only reason why is because you never know. Even with Dame, like as much as I think that might lead to a championship for Miami, like that's no guarantee. You know, you never right. know if you're going to be back there. I mean, think about. Think, I mean, we might mentioned it. Eighty four, Dan Marino. Like the guy was. Oh, way to bring that good. one again. Yeah, dude. The, we don't. We don't I, point taken. We don't have to bring it up. Got it. The hurt is real. The hurt's still real. Still you never nothing. know. Second year know. in the league, Dan Marino went goes to the Super Bowl and then just doesn't again. Just unbelievable. So much has to be like the, the, it does. So much has just, to go right, right? You have to have a defense. This is what happened this past year in the NBA. You got yeah. That's why this past year felt like you know the, if, if you're going to give it consideration, like a one that you'd want to erase. Like so much went so well for Miami this mm-hmm. past run, like between the play and the magic at the end uh, of the game against you know Chicago. Uh, Jimmy's run against the Bucks, like eviscerating the Knicks, you know, beating, it, it, it's beating the Celtics it's in Game similar, Seven. It's ah. kind of similar to the question I asked you about 2020, though. Like, I don't know that my experience changes that much. Have they if they beat Denver? I still thoroughly love that playoff run, like to your, like beating Boston yeah. in Game Seven, like all that kind of stuff was so awesome uh, that. I, I'm kind of okay. I'm okay with them having lost in the finals. I really am. I really, it doesn't bother me. Like knowing that Denver deserved it and that Miami deserved to get to the finals, but I don't I think know. deserved to win the championship. I thought Denver deserved it in a, in, in more than Miami did. You know, I just thought they were flatly better. And I'm, it's, it's easy for me to accept that 
And I still like it doesn't take away that playoff run, right? It's you still no. beat the Knicks, you still beat the Celtics, you still kind of broke the Celtics in a way where they decided they had to trade Marcus Smart and make these wholesale changes. It, you you were from playing team, you beat the Bucks in the first round and got got them to fire their coach and all these things. History. Like, yeah. They they rampaged like they they destroyed their rivals in the playoffs, and they still did. And then they lost Rough. to the best team in the NBA. So it doesn't take anything away from me. That would have been nice, though. It would. It would have been I mean, great. obviously, I'm not. Yeah, it would have been great, and obviously, it would have been, really nice. been great to have uh, to covered that team. But to be in that locker room, champagne everywhere, like that, this, you know, that would have been a joy. Would have been cool. Yeah, maybe Matt Moore been. doesn't deserve that. Oh, Adam Morris doesn't deserve that. I mean, come on. <laughs> we deserve this. We do. <laughs> Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Are the Heat contenders, regardless of a Damian Lillard trade? No matter what, will they end up having that champagne path? We'll talk about that on tomorrow's episode. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Follow us on your favorite podcast app. And David, thanks for joining me. You got it, Wes.